The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I turn your attention again to the lesson from the prophet Isaiah. It's brief. We'll read it again. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I know you have not gathered on this Christmas Eve for a history lesson. I will do my best not to turn this moment into one. But if you don't spend a little time with me, at least a few moments, brushing up a bit on the history of the background of this moment, the impact of Isaiah's words will likely be blunted. And the connection that you and I can clearly make to the moment in which we live won't be available to us. So please come with me on a brief side journey for a moment. Isaiah was an active prophet. He was not a man who sat around in an ivory tower at a desk waiting for the Lord to give him a message for humanity and then waited for seekers to find him to find out what God had to say. That wasn't the arrangement but rather just the opposite. God expected and called Isaiah to be a very interactive prophet. So, he directed Isaiah to be available, to appear in unexpected places and at opportune moments to speak for God. So on this occasion, Isaiah was directed to actually bring his son along and confront the king of Judah as he was inspecting the public waterworks of the city of Jerusalem. Why there? Why then, you might ask? Well, that's a great question. You see, at that moment, the king of Israel, which were the northern ten tribes that had been peeled away through secession from the rest of Israel, the southern tribe of Judah, were making war with the goal of eliminating their fellow Israelites. They had made treaties with surrounding heathen kings for the purpose of waging campaign after campaign against the king of Judah with the hope of wiping out the house of David, even though Everybody knew God had made very special promises about David's house and one very particularly historical, spiritually important descendant of David. That king of Israel was nearing success in waging that campaign with his heathen allies. And so it seemed very natural for the king of Judah, who had been suffering very high casualties in battle after battle against his northern brethren, that a siege of Jerusalem was coming next. And so, he was out there inspecting 
calling all hands on deck to make sure that the water supply of Jerusalem was secure for his people during a lengthy siege he was certain was imminent. What I have not told you yet, though, was this man, King Ahaz, a descendant of David, reigning on David's throne, was one of the worst kings that Judah would ever have. His father and his grandfather were both also descendants of David, but they were faithful men who served God and the people faithfully and used God's word and God's will as their guide in all things. Ahaz, on the other hand, could only be described as a real piece of work. He not only allowed, but he personally led an effort to permeate the entire land of Israel with Baal worship, the heathen idol Baal. If you know anything about Baal worship, it involved very graphic sexual immorality and even child sacrifice, which earlier in his prophecy Isaiah had decried as openly happening under every spreading tree throughout the land. It was evil enough that Ahaz had publicly sacrificed some of his own sons, also descendants of David, part of the royal line of ancestors of the promised Messiah. But he actually managed to do something even worse. He put a halt to the worship, the daily sacrifices, and the festivals at the temple. And after a time of inactivity at the temple, he then installed Baal-worshipping prophets and priests who then introduced and defiled the temple with not only worship of Baal, but even the occasional human sacrifice. Ahaz may have indeed been a descendant of David and a king of Judah, but he was no follower of the true God in any way. And in his own mind, his very best possibility for saving his people and remaining king Holding off the invading armies was to create human alliances with the notoriously fierce kings, heathen kings of the distant north. But God had other plans. He sent his highest-ranking prophet to Isaiah, called Isaiah, to Ahaz to call him to repentance. God also promised, through that prophet, deliverance built on the promises God had made to his faithful forefathers. And God used his prophet to speak very balanced, very clear law and gospel to a king of his chosen nation. In the episodes leading up to this moment, God had a number of conversations already with Ahaz through his prophet Isaiah. He had spoken direct promises of forgiveness and deliverance. God had invited the wayward king numerous times, on numerous occasions, to name any sign, any miracle. He could name it, and God would do it to prove to him that God meant what he had said. That he was all about forgiveness and deliverance of both Ahaz and the people of Judah, the king's nation. 
And God made it clear through his prophet that he would do all of this for the sake of all of the ancestors to whom he had made promises. And all the faithful people that still lived in Judah that had not bowed the knee to Baal. And he would do all of this in spite of Ahaz. So here you have the verses in front of you. Do you see what Ahaz does? Ahaz flat out refused to ask. Ahaz was not at all concerned about insulting and rebelling openly and obviously against God by looking him straight in the eye and refusing this invitation to ask God for any proof that he would deliver him and continue to act faithfully according to his higher level promises to his chosen nation. Think on that for a moment. Are human beings in our world still willing to act that way toward God? Do we, any of us, ever ignore what we know God really clearly has said to us and about us and about the world in which we live because, yeah, we really already know what God has to say? Who hasn't heard it over the thousands of years that the scriptures have been available, recorded for us to study? And does it ever possibly happen that any of us ignores what God has to say because we have already determined for ourselves that we're not going down the road that God intends to lead us through his word and his will? How very often you and I hear someone in a moment of challenge declaring, if only, if only I or we had some some sign from God to direct us to exactly what we should be doing in this moment, we would listen to him. We would do it. But there is no mystery to what God wants from his human children. He wants them to listen to him, to get to know him better in his word, to hear what he has to say to us about our sins and our waywardness and his plans for time and eternity to follow him and trust him and his word. If you have ever, even once in your life, echoed those words, whether it was only in your mind or if you actually said it to someone else standing next to you, if only we had a sign from God in this moment of challenge, if only God would give me a sign, well, he has. That is exactly what Christmas is all about. It's right here in these verses where God was combating the same kind of ugliness and immorality that swirls around us on a daily basis. God told Ahaz, I will give you a sign in spite of you. And then God went on to unfold for Ahaz his biggest plan of all. He makes it clear, the house of David will endure in spite of Ahaz. And one day, off in the future, there will be a young woman in the house of David long after David's family has no longer had any status or prominence or wealth. A virgin have a baby. 
one day off in this future despite the defeats that were happening and would only continue to happen, a poor virgin would have a baby and that baby would be God. Name him Emmanuel because it means God with us, God among us, God present in human flesh as one of us. In many and glorious ways, God was simply saying to Ahaz that he had much bigger fish to fry in that moment than anything Ahaz was dealing with, and that he was a much bigger God than Ahaz understood him to be and that Ahaz didn't believe in. That he alone is the God who can defy the laws of biology, nature, even divinity itself, and become a human being to live among his human creation, his sinful human creation, while still remaining pure and righteous because he's born of a virgin. When you and I stop to think about that, to think about what God said it it really becomes a sign from God almost as powerful, almost as significant as the ultimate sign Jesus pointed to through his own ministry of his rising from the grave on the third day as the ultimate proof that he is who he said he is and did what he said he was going to do. So on this Christmas Eve, you have come to this place beaten up by the headlines of a world that seems just crazy out of control. And maybe, just maybe, you've lived enough of those moments in the last four, five, six years that you're thinking to yourself, I've seen enough life to know that I've never seen this kind of crazy before in my lifetime. But the world's always been crazy. And there have been weirder and more sideways moments in history than what you and I are seeing now. The world's been a very twisted place for a very long time, and I doubt anybody on their journey through the last month of time witnessed any live human sacrifice in the name of any false religion. That's just wild stuff. Maybe you've come here perhaps to escape all of that for a little while. Maybe it seems that by the way I have approached these verses, I've yanked and pulled by the hair these issues of the world and life into the center of our holiday celebration, and you're not too pleased with it. Maybe you would prefer that I hadn't. Maybe it seems that by the, the ugly old world and the ugly way humans live don't belong in a holiday moment, moment. and maybe really... You just would rather not go down this path any further. But it's against all of that ugly and dark as a background that God made these promises. And so it is against all that ugly and dark as a contrast background that you and I see best the power, the majesty, the faithfulness, the beauty of our Savior God. Exactly the same way that God came to Ahaz, came with his word through his prophet to nasty King Ahaz, that same God comes to you and me. 
He also comes to challenge us to see our sins, to repent of them, to acknowledge what is sinful in the world around us. He also invites us to come away from that world and its ugly unbelief, to distance ourselves from all that opposes the true God and His will. He even gives us the same reasons why. The one thing that's exceptionally different about you and me, though, from Ahaz, is that God has never invited us to name any particular miracle that we desire for God to do on our cue so that we would know for sure who the true God is and that he's really good to all of his promises. He doesn't need to do that with us because he's already done it. He's already done it on two amazingly powerful occasions. He's done it on a lot more than that, but he points to those two. We point to those two often in our confessing of the creed. A virgin had a baby, and he was God living among us. And then that same baby that the virgin had in that stable raised himself from the grave on the third day. He's given us signs better than you and I could ever imagine. And in these verses, our God tells us the simple truth about his power, his wisdom, and his love. This evening, God looks you and me in the eye and says, here is your Christmas sign. You want to know for sure that I love you, that I've forgiven you, that you are someone I wish to have with me for all eternity in spite of your selfishness and your sin. You want to know that I am with you every moment of every day, despite how often you feel broken and hurting and alone. You want to know that I have the power to protect you, to guide you through life, until that moment I take you to be with me in a better place for a better life than you have ever known here. Do you even want to know for sure that I have power over any sickness or malady you may experience, and certainly over death. I even have power over those. Do you need the comfort of knowing that I have a plan for every moment and every element of your life, including your eternity? Well, here it is. Your Christmas sign to prove every last one of all those things. A virgin had a baby who was, is, and always will be God. He was conceived in her womb by the power of my Holy Spirit and was born in a stable. He was humble, poor, and overlooked, not just in the circumstances of his birth, but for his entire earthly existence. And yet he proved over and over and over again through his miracles and his words that he is God walking around in human skin. And even though he remained the perfect, righteous son of God from the moment of that virgin conception and birth until the moment that he died, He allowed his enemies to brutally break and kill him so that he could raise himself from death. That resurrection is the greatest sign that your God is awesome, powerful, and also among you in life and in death. 
in ways that you and I will never understand, but we must always celebrate and always must explore more deeply through time in His Word and worship of our Savior God. This is your Christmas sign from God. Your brother, Jesus, lies in that manger. He has come to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt who the true God is. Which God is the true God and just what that true God can do. He has come to live and die for you. He has come to give you purpose and perspective. He has come to be the only human you who will ever also be God in one person so that he can do every last thing God requires of you to fix you for eternity. So while he allows you in his holy wisdom to live on day after day in this world, year by year, he wants you to know every one of those moments that nothing truly ever is out of control. Nothing will ever jeopardize his love for you or his commitment to your forgiveness and salvation, or your welcome in his presence, in that place of his eternal glorious supplying. Sure, you'll still have moments in this life where you'll think to yourself, these choices, these challenges, Wow, it would be good to have direction. If, if only I had a sign from God right now. And in that moment, perhaps the Holy Spirit will remind you of this particular portion of Scripture and you'll think to yourself, wait a minute, I already have one. No, you actually have many. You have many signs that God is with you, that God is for you, that God is willing to live in you now and for the rest of your life. That because that ancient virgin's baby born in that stable on that night so long ago, you have peace with your God right this minute and forever. A little history lesson? Maybe. But a lesson that once learned and embraced makes every single day a little Christmas because God is with us. Our Emmanuel, our sign from God that we belong to him, that we belong with him, forever. Merry Christmas. Amen.